Would you bet a few thousand dollars that you could sink an eight-foot putt? What about 10 grand that you could win a drag race against a Camaro with a thousand horsepower? If you bet $2 million, could you bet it all on one football game? Maybe you wish you could, but you probably wouldn't. Gamblers is about the people who did. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network comes Gamblers Season 2. Listen now. It's the Ringer's Philly Special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page, plus start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Welcome to the Ringers Philly special, Shield Kapadia joined by Ben Solak. And it's Thursday, so that means we've got the Thursday 10. I don't know if we're going to do this every Thursday, Ben, but it worked out well last week, so we'll do it again yeah. this week. We'll talk about what we saw on film from the Commanders game. We'll get into this Jaguars matchup. Lots of juice with this Jaguars matchup. I love it when you get a, uh, is it September, October, a game this early that has this mm-hmm. much juice. That's going to be fun. And then we'll, of course, mix some nonsense in and finish with our game predictions. Benny Souls, how does it all sound? It sounds great. I, I, It is week four. There are only two games on the schedule, and one of them has the Philadelphia Eagles. It's a good feeling, man, when you're like, you know, oh, marquee matchup with your team. Yeah, it's going to be a good season. I'm still an old man, and I'm like clicking around my computer now to be like, how do I get Ben to be a full, like a, a bigger box with Ben's face in it where I'm not looking at my own face. Is it a problem that we're like seven years into the Zoom thing and I'm still having issues with this? Uh, I can't get Zoom calls to open on my phone. So no, don't <laughs> worry about it, brother. We're good. I've still yet to figure out how to get like the app downloaded and get the video up. Uh, I won't tell if you don't tell. No one's recording this anyway. This is hilarious. Now I've got just this small screen of just you on this like big monitor. So I'm enjoying this. So if I like talk to you as if you're, you know, a like, like two feet tall today, then that is why. And I apologize. All right. 
Let's get to the good stuff. We're going to start with the defense today. I thought the defense earned it. You know, the defense has had a couple back-to-back here good performances. Let's talk about the defense. Let's just throw it out as a general question to begin with. What stood out on film from the defensive performance for you, Ben, against Washington? Ah, Eleven good football players, man. Yeah, if you if you wanna if if you wanna you know make me take my lumps on Marcus Epps, today's the day. Good Marcus Epps game. Epps played well. Mm. Uh, good Edwards game. TJ played well. Uh, entire front was good. Like like Marlon Tuipilotu's snaps were solid. Patrick Johnson's like you know fine, right? Kayvon Wallace is out there in their dime packages and looks good. Like looks like like for what they are, right? Six defensive back, fifth defensive tackle. Like the guys are getting out on the field can play. There's no liabilities uh, when they're in their starting groups and then when they're in their sub packages. Uh, the Epps thing is, of I think, the most important note because since the Eagles were so four down, rushed with four, like they, they certainly blitzed a little bit, but they didn't feel like they needed to blitz too much. They were able to do a lot of coverage rotation stuff, which has always kind of been the secret sauce here for this defense. It's like, all right, if you want to play zones and you want to sit back and rush with four, you have to make the quarterback hesitate with the ball in his hands. You have to make him work post-snap. You have to delay his process. In order to do that, you got to spin coverage. You have to, all right, we have a guy down near the line of scrimmage and then a guy deep, and then they change positions right at the snap. Or we have one guy deep, and then all of a sudden there's two dudes deep. Or we had two dudes deep, and now there's only one. We have to rotate the safety, spin the coverage. You hear these, these kind of buzzwords... Uh, thrown around a lot, but all it is is just changing the picture. Just make that quarterback think right after the snap. Change something and make him reevaluate what you're doing defensively. In order to do that, you need multiple good safeties, versatile players, and Epps and 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 Gardner Johnson were just flying around all game, right? Like they had the one, I think it was like a second down where where Johnson becomes the deep middle safety from like being up on the line of scrimmage. He just sprints back there. Epps comes straight down off the roof. He's now playing a robber. They've just changed the picture. Make Wentz stop seeing the pocket, hold that ball for a second, and then your pass rush is going to be able to win. So, like, they were very complex on coverages in the back end. They were spinning a lot of safeties, and they were getting good play from Epps, good play from TJ. Awesome defensive performance, stem to stern. This this is good. See, I didn't learn this type of thing until later in my career. Like, you're showing the audience that you are willing to – update your opinions based on new information. There's nothing that annoys audiences more than when they feel like, you know, a host or a writer or whoever they're watching or listening to just has it out for a team or a player and they're not going to change their opinion. So, I mean, how are you so mature for such a young man? It's, it's strong opinions, loosely held. Believe what you believe, but believe in it because of the evidence and change it. This is one good Epps game. You ask me who the worst defensive player is in the Eagles starting 11. There's no question in my mind it's Marcus Epps. But this was a good game. This is how, if it's it going has to not, work, it he, should work. Yeah, yeah, this season he has not been anywhere close to their worst. He has been better than Chauncey Gardner-Johnson over, over a three-game stretch. I'm not saying if you're yeah. giving me the choice of either guy for right, the next yeah, five yeah. years, I'm taking Gardner-Johnson. But on the whole, uh, it is And that's, that's the, other, the other half of, like, if you want to be, like, they spun coverages way more in week three than they did in week one. Probably Chauncey's got more of the playbook under his teeth. You know what I mean? You just, you just, you're gonna. These two guys are going to figure out more and more week to week in terms of playing together and being able to maximize one another. Um, so that was good. The only other big defensive note is uh, James Bradbury is good. Like, Jay, like, like we we're, Heck we're, yeah. we're we're officially entering. He's not getting talked about because he's not getting stats because he's not being thrown at, and that's 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 like the sign of a good corner is no one's talking about you because. Just the camera never gets to your side of the field. We just don't see the ball over there. Yeah. Bradbury's. The, I, I talked a lot about how the Washington football team is the best suited of the first three teams the Eagles face to test their corner two and their corner three because they have a good deep receiver room. Bradbury was 
handcuffs, baby. I mean, just lock and key for four quarters. Bradbury looks awesome. Two specific plays with, and I had him written down too, because you know, awesome. by the time by the time we record this, it's like, are right, you want to give some new information? You know, like like our buddy Fran Duffy's already got a film breakdown out there, stuff out there. We were like, all right, they did it well. We don't want to repeat points. Bradbury was the guy who I was like, I don't know that anybody's talked about Bradbury too much this week. They tested him twice with double moves, once on the right side, another sluggo on the left side. I mean, listen, I'm not a, a defensive backs coach, but I would imagine if you had a defensive backs coach, they'd be like that. That's teaching tape right there. He absolutely was. The sluggo was. The sluggo was gnarly. Yeah, it was really good. And that led to a sack. I I believe Mm -hmm. that one of the two led to a sack. And yeah, Carson Wentz was waiting, I think, for the sluggo to open up. He had something underneath and he waited for it. And by that time, I think Brandon Graham already got him. So yeah, Bradbury was very good. Uh, I think what you said at the beginning really stood out to me that, uh, listen, if I'm going to criticize Howie Roseman when I think he deserves to be criticized, I need to praise him when he deserves to be praised. And this, to me, was like a Howie Roseman game on both sides of the ball. Just the one-on-one matchups that the Eagles were dominating, both with their wide receivers against Washington's defensive backs, but then also, as it pertains to the defense, the Eagles' defensive line against Washington's offensive line. And I know they were banged up, but, I mean, a lot of these, again, we said it in the postgame pod, seven of the nine sacks were four-man rushes and even the two blitzes like one of them the blitz had nothing to do with it Brandon Graham just one on the left side and then the other one was kind of nicely schemed up with TJ Edwards and Jordan Davis but this was a lot of wow Brandon Graham just crushed the right tackle oh Javon Hargrave just put the center on his butt for like the third time you know my third note that oh the center's on his butt uh, because of Javon Hargrave Fletcher Cox Josh Sweat Hassan Reddick it kind of goes to what we talked I think the first week we did the podcast where we said they don't have a TJ Watt they don't have a mind Miles Garrett, uh, they don't have the Aaron Donald, kind of the one guy where the, de- the offensive coordinator is like, what's our game plan? Their strength is in their depth, is in their numbers, and I think that really showed up uh, in this game w- w- with the pressure they were able to get on Carson Wentz there. Yeah, the uh, I, I hear you on the Howie game. I feel like there wasn't a defensive player that played poorly, and so it's just going to – it's like a – Howie game, Gannon game, surrounding game, whoever you want game. You know what I mean? Like there were no spots where it felt bad. Like Gannon, in terms of, we talk about match coverage. We talk about communication, young secondary. They passed off stuff really, really well, right? They felt comfortable. Like we talked about this a little bit. Scott Turner tends to run like six things. And then he just runs it from a ton of different alignments and different motions and Curtis Samuel in the backfield. And so you can kind of get a sniff on what's coming, but you still have to process through it. And that's going to be really important for this upcoming week. Doug Peterson, the Jaguars, Eagles fans will remember Doug's offense. They don't, they don't run a ton of stuff. Like in terms of like concepts, it's West coast. They, they, they run all the West coast hits, but they just get to their buckets from different spots. They motion and, and put guys in the backfield, Christian Kirk in the slot and change personnel and, you know, run traditional 11 personnel stuff out of 12 personnel, so on and so forth. And so it's the same thing this upcoming week where, you can feel like, all right, first and 10, we're probably going to get some RPO like this out of this stack. They're probably going to run drive, whatever. Can we pass this off? Can we exchange this as we expect to? Uh, and so kudos to them for that. The Every week, the secondary gets to stay healthy and gets to continue to take more reps together. You expect them to get better there. And they already look pretty good through three weeks. So yeah. it's arrow pointing up for, for Johnny Gans. Keep, keep those those corners healthy because that is really the, the position that could change the complexion yeah. uh, of the That's defense. the thing with Maddox, man. Maddox is playing so physical. He's playing oh so fast. Gosh, Just every yeah. time every time he hits somebody, I'm always like, does he get up? Is he? Are we good? Okay, we're good. Like, he's not a big guy. So you're, you're, the Maddox tackle on fourth and goal with Logan Thomas was awesome. It's just like, okay, hopefully he's able to do that for 17 games this season and doesn't crumple. 
That was awesome. And then he had a PBU, I think, on the same drive, man coverage. I think it was a little whip route, and he was all over it and broke it up. He's Their corners are playing really, really well. Like, I'm hard-pressed to think of the last time where if you just isolated the cornerbacks on an Eagles team, they were playing at this level. Again, it's been three games, but that really uh, stood out to me. The passing off stuff, absolutely. I mean, the, the one uh, mesh concept, the clip has been passed around, but, uh, you know, it, it's – Speaking of Doug, he had it. I remember I did a story on it at the Athletic. He had that play in the in the game played nine different ways. He said uh, mesh in the Super Bowl, and they ran it a bunch of times. Sometimes it didn't work at all, but Nick Foles just made a play, and uh, Washington ran mesh. Two crossers, middle of the field, James Bradbury and Kaiser White pass it off beautifully, and that leads to a sack. So uh, definitely all tied together. The defense looked you know, like a really well-coached unit, a really aggressive unit. Like you mentioned, a bunch of different guys contributing. So that really stood out. One, uh, one number I got. So last year, as I mentioned way in the, in the preseason, many times opposing quarterbacks completed 70% of their passes against the Eagles. That was last in the NFL this year. It's 57.9% fourth best in the NFL. I know it's only completion percentage. It can be, you know, check downs, whatever, but that shows up in the film. You're just like, wow, they have defenders near mm-hmm. where that quarterback is passing the football a lot more than I right. remember last year. I was year. gonna say, yeah, that's <laughs> such that stat like right, completion percentage doesn't capture everything, but to me that captures just like the players are better. The players like yeah. understand what's going on better and everything, like schematically you change stuff, but just the players are better. You're just affecting the quarterback more. You're affecting the catch point more. You just have better pass rush and better corners. That's what that is. No doubt. All right. Uh, question number two for Benny Souls. How different is this defense schematically from the 2021 version, in your opinion? I cheated and I did some homework and looked up some some numbers and stuff, but okay. I'm curious about it. If you didn't do that, just from the eye test, sort of, you know, what your instincts would say. Thinking about it. I think that it is significantly different in terms of philosophy. I think that they are a lot more willing to be a lot more aggressive in a variety of ways than they were last season, where last season they very clearly felt like all we can really do is rush with four and drop with seven and try to make a team be incremental, try to make an offense be mistake-free for 12 plays, 13 plays, which is a very patient, passive playing the numbers sort of a defense where you're just like, all right, eventually you're going to get a penalty and then we're going to be able to get after you. Whereas now they very clearly feel on early downs. And and I I always, whenever I talk about defense, I always talk about like early downs, first and 10 rush downs, because that's the paradigm by which a a coordinator builds his philosophy, right? What do you know you're going to get? You're going to get first and 10. So you start from there. Like, what do we want to be on first and 10? What does the opposing offense do on first and 10? Do they rush? Do they pass? What personnel do they have on the field? And then the decision tree goes, okay, if we get them into a second and nine, what do they do versus a second and six? And kind of like, that's how you, you kind of, those are the building blocks of how you, you create a defense on first downs. They're saying, okay, we can live in a, we can live in a five, one front, right? Penny front is what like, you know, the kind of the, the word is bare front is just like what I would call it with just like one backer, but we're going to, we can be in a five, one front and stop the run with just that, bo- with those bodies right there. And then we can, you know, drop into zones. We're expecting first and 10. We can play our zone coverage. We can get after the passer get after the passer with that front. We can still generate pressure with four. We don't need a blitz. We can play sticky man coverage. We can play tight zone coverage. We're going to be good. And then when we do that well on early downs, we can get into second and longs, third and longs, and then play rush packages. And that to me is the most distinct thing about the Eagles last year versus this year is that when they get on downs where they expect pass, they send blitz looks. 
they don't blitz super often. When they right. blitz, their numbers are really good if memory serves. But they they put packages on the field that look like blitz. TJ Edwards over the center, bang, right? You know, we uh, Hassan Reddick stand up, Kaiser White stand up. We six of these guys could come. Only four will most of the time, but six of these guys could come, and then we're going to drop and play coverage behind it. Whereas last year, they never even really bluffed that. They never really said, like, we're going to put guys up on the line. That's where I talk about the, the Zimmer side of, of Jonathan Gannon. Yes, he came from Indianapolis. He was under Matt Eberflus, but he started in the league from Zimmer. And that's what Zimmer is. Zimmer is, how can I get you into a down where I know you're passing? Because once I do, I'm going to beat you. Once I do, I'm going to screw with you. I'm going to mess you up. So that, to me, is substantially different. In terms of scheme, like in terms of like where the players lined up and what they call, it's not that much different like coverage-wise. You know what I'm saying? They're still running largely the same coverage as they tried to run last year. They run a little bit more man, and that makes sense because they just have better corners. But like, it's not like they like we're a cover three team now. Like that, not, that's not a shift. It's a lot of like they feel a little bit more situational. They feel a little bit more pointed. They feel a little bit more flexible relative to their opponent because they they think they have enough players, they have enough talent to get the opponent in disadvantageous downs for the offense. And then they can dial up. And then they can say, all right, we're going to put our horses on the line and we're, we're going to make this tough for you. That is so different than last year was. Yeah, I, I think you said it really well. And a lot of what you said is, you know. Yes, pretty, what a yeah, feeling. Yeah, no, no. Once you, you told me you had numbers, I was I like, know. okay, I really got to make yeah. sure I get this answer right. I, I was hoping you were like, now they're, you know, playing more man covers than any team in the NFL or they're blitzing. Then I could have come at you and been like, come yeah. on. Man, you're wrong. No, but I, I think you nailed it. I mean, they're up a little bit in terms of man coverage from last year. They're at about 23% compared to 21% yeah, last and year. Yeah, league, league leaders are usually around like 45% too. So yeah. you're still like one of the bottom, yeah. And there's also, you know, going to be some margin, not necessarily with man versus zone, but some of the other coverages, you got to account for margin for error. These are from uh, Pro Football Focus and True Media. They're still in zone over 70% of the time. They're actually playing cover one, which is just man coverage with a single high safety at a lower rate than they did last year. The snaps of cover zero, those all out blitzes we've seen are way up. Uh, from last year. I didn't look, look up the numbers, but I bet they already have more this year than they did all of last year. And then when they're in those split safety zones, more quarters, which is four across and three underneath, you know, the, right. the base, basic idea of it, more quarters than cover two, which is uh, obviously two and deep, five under. That, yeah, and that more quarters than cover two is also conflated with more man and not zone because quarters plays out like man. Yeah. After distribution, whereas cover two zone remains zone, right? And so, like, when you say more quarters than cover two, it's the, it's it's the same thing in terms of like the big buttons as more man than zone. Okay, you feel good at man? Let's play quarters. Yeah. So they are the second highest rate of quarters in the NFL uh, right now, behind only the Green Bay Packers, uh, according to those numbers. Uh, blitzing up a little. They're at twenty three point six percent compared to nineteen point three percent. Again, it's a it's a jump. It's not like a seismic jump. Where as you mentioned, it's not like they've totally changed what they're doing. I think you said it really well. It's just there are much much more to make the opposing quarterback feel like. I hope I put on some deodorant today because these pits yeah. are going to be sweating because they're giving so, me different looks that I didn't know I was going to get. There was no deodorant last year. So the deodorant, now this was this is an intro media, but I would say the deodorant quotient is up yes. from last in the league last year to I would even I'd go above average right. through three. We're months. not right. We're not at extra strength prescription yeah. deodorant yet, no. but yeah. we're getting there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we can, I actually had hope. Yeah. I do have numbers because I I, I was writing about the Lions defense this week and and they're super dialed up on man coverage and super dialed up on blitzing. That's the way they want to be. But right now, when when a team, a defense rushes five plus rushers, right? So blitz, but also when we have our five down defensive linemen and we're kind of coming with those five, 
the Eagles right now are second in the league in net yards per play allowed, right? And so the the best defense in the league is Buffalo at minus three yards per play allowed, but Buffalo's barely blessed. They've blessed like three times this this season on defense. That's it's kind when of an aberration. Rushing, ru- rushing five, you said specifically. Yeah, rushing five, five plus. Okay. Yeah, no, five rushing plus. five plus. Okay, so five, five plus. or six or seven. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gotcha. The Eagles are allowing two point one two yards per play. Next closest is the Packers wow. at three point six three. The Titans at four. Uh, the Eagles are allowing uh two point three first downs per game. When they're in their rush packages, which is the fourth best number in the league, only the Saints, Bears, and Bills are higher, and both the Bears and the Bills have barely blitzed. So those numbers are very, very sketchy. When the Eagles pressure, their defense has been really, really effective. And that's the feint, right? That's the, hey, we send a blitz look. Oh, we have a blitz look. We have a blitz look. And you don't come, you don't come, you don't come, and then all of a sudden you do. And when you do, you're going to be able to generate a, a disruptive play, an explosive play for the defense. It's nice. So I bet you that their blitz rate stays fairly low because – situationally right now, when they blitz, they're getting exactly what they want. So they kind of try to keep this balance where it, where it's at. Yeah, that's one to keep an eye on as we get a, a larger sample. I'm always like hesitant this early in the season to be like, this, this is what's happening because all the samples in football are so small after just mm-hmm. three games. But that makes a lot of sense. That, that matches what we're seeing on film. All right, let's take a little break and then we will come back with question number three. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. All right, let's move to the offense. Ben, what did you take away from Jalen Hurts? This will pretty much be a question anytime we do a Thursday 10, but what did you take away from Jalen Hurts' performance on film? 
solid. This isn't a long answer, right? It was good. It was great. The best thing was the aggressiveness, right? Yes. Uh, Washington's going to give you cover one. All right. Let's watch that deep safety, right? There was the AJ Brown near miss on on a big post, big, big, big post. And Dallas Goddard's open uh, crossing over the middle, right? But you're going to run Goddard in front of the deep safety and, and Brown above the deep safety. And wherever the deep safety goes, you throw to the other guy. That deep safety gets kind of lost in no man's land. He can't make up his mind. So Goddard is open. You can throw Goddard. Or you can get big and throw AJ. And he got big and he threw AJ. And some of that's like, I love AJ Brown. I'm going to throw it to him. I like mo- that, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. What's that? I, I, I like that. He's like, you know what? Yes. It might not. It's not exactly how we would draw it up on the chalkboard where it would say, go to AJ Brown here. But you know what? He's AJ I'll Brown. Put it to you. Yeah. I'm feeling myself a little bit. Game situation too. I'm going to let it rip. I, I view that uh, as a positive. I think it's a positive too. If it were the third play of the game, right. I would hope that Steichen would get him on the side and be like, hey, let's... Goddard's open. Let's let's go get the first down. But when you're at that stage of the game, I think it was when was that Brown miss? I want to say it was third quarter. Uh, yeah, so you're already kind of at, yeah. yeah, you're you're in a lead and you've already hit multiple big plays. It's a little bit like take a whiff. Let's yeah. go on Jalen Hurts, baby. Four hundred right. yard passing game time. Here we go. And they don't connect, right? Um but they're right, the um the aggressiveness, the willingness to shoot downfield is is very good and very important for Hurts because I think you know, the Eagles' short passing game has been really good so far. They get a lot of yak, but I don't think that's going to stay forever. And obviously, the intermediate passing game, while improved this year, is still the weakest part of their game. It's always going to be important for Jalen Hurts as a passer in his best games, in his worst games, in his middle games, whatever, to be able to choose to and connect on big downfield vertical shots. He has to be an explosive pass play guy. Think about that Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray mold. And on against Washington, he said, are you going to keep giving this to me? I'm just going to keep shooting. And that's good to see. Yeah, this was this was very different than the Minnesota game, in my opinion. In that game, I was like, wow, this version of Jalen Hurts, we talked about it, we haven't seen this before. This was really like an execute the offense and just give these these really good players on the outside a lot of chances. Like you could really point to quite a few throws here that were not great from Jalen Hurts. Uh, in this game, you know, the, the 45 yard go ball to Devonte Smith, where he makes the incredible catch. That's not, that's not a great throw. You know, that kind of leads him uh, out of bounds. And he had the cornerback stacked on that play. Uh, I thought there was a, a third down in the red zone where he left a clean pocket and, and Dallas Goddard just won pretty cleanly uh, in the end zone there on the left side. And instead hurts scrambled for four yards. Uh, I don't know how much to ding him for the shovel pass. I mean, I guess that that's probably like a little bit of an awkward Pass yeah. to make, I guess, but I mean that was right I, there. That was blocked yeah. up and well designed, and you know should have been a touchdown. I don't know if he tripped or what uh, on that play, but it looked pretty awesome. Shovel, shovel option has jumped the shark for me. Shovel option was cute in 2018, <laughs> and it was like Patrick Mahomes, Terry Kill, the Chiefs are so good. And then they throw no, a shovel option to Anthony Sherman. You'd be like, that's so freaking annoying. Like you forget that Andy's so good at that. Now yeah. like everybody does it, and it's kind of like okay, run the football. I don't know. <laughs> this is, this is, stop being cute. <laughs> It was, it was there. Uh, there was a Devonte deep ball in the third quarter uh, that uh, on the right side that I thought he underthrew that one, and then the one to AJ Brown, like you mentioned. So I mean, there were some big plays. Like yeah, not not far off from like a 400 to 450 yard game. I mean, the downfield shots just kept being there at the same time. The ones he did throw that they made plays on. You know, you're not going to make those nine out of ten times either. But this was really a, again. I'm I'm not trying to gas up uh, Howie Roseman here, but this like that game doesn't play out the way it did unless you have A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. If you replace those guys with replacement yes. level players or slightly above average players, like that very much could have been a game in the fourth quarter. And 
that's great. You know, when you have guys like that, take advantage of them, use them. Don't be a, a team where you're saying, why aren't they getting this guy the ball more? Why aren't they throwing it downfield to this guy? So I'm giving the, I want to make it clear that I'm giving Hertz credit for being that aggressive and making those throws, just looking at isolating his actual throws. You wouldn't say, wow, he was on point and was absolutely, you know, pinpoint accuracy the entire game or anything like that. Yeah, we the the later question we kind of have is the what else stood out offensively question. Let's get to it. Line, go go ahead. Yeah. Bring it. Yeah. yeah what so else stood the, out right, offensively? The, the answer for me on that one is this is a game where the wide receivers show they can elevate the quarterback. Right. Yes. Like that's just what that's and you you want that in your receiving core. You have Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, you have Davis Mills and Justin Fields. You want receivers who can elevate the quarterback, period. It's always good to have. So it's not like an indictment on Hertz. But like Hertz had a twenty five yard pass touchdown to Dallas Goddard. Because Goddard's great after the catch. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, he had a, a fourth down touchdown throw to Devontae Smith in the back corner. Great ball, but Devontae won that football. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that's, that, that, is, that is unbelievable catch point play. And obviously, to get downfield on the scoring drive previous to that, you have Devontae winning the football. And what's, it's, like, it's, it's tough to say it's an inaccurate pass because you just kind of are putting it in a catchable spot. It's really hard to throw that, like, over the shoulder and drop it in the bucket. But what is a 50-50 ball? It is a... The corner has an equal proposition on this football as the receiver does, and the receiver's just going to make the play. So you have such a, a elevation in this game from the receivers, from the performance of the skill position players, the pass catchers, relative to Jalen Hurts as a passer. But any 340-yard passing game is going to have that, right? So again, it's not an indictment on Hurts. It's right. just good to see that your top 10 picket receiver and then your $20 million man at receiver can make some big plays. That's 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 should be expected. That should be expected. That is expected. Yeah. And it was good to see it happen in week three. Yeah, I mean, it just speaks more to the supporting cast. And we talk about this team ceiling. Those two things are going to go together. Hurts and the uh, and the supporting cast. I mean, it just stood out to me how many like simple solutions to problems they have. You know, like like you mentioned that Devontae Smith catch. I mean, you know, that's a high leverage spot right there where if that goes wrong, you're probably leading the postgame discussion on, hey, what went wrong in that spot? And the way he just fought through contact and the corner has like outside leverage there and he's running a corner and he's just like, sorry, this is, you know, it's my ball. I'm making a play. Uh, just an outstanding play by Devontae Smith. Even the screen to Goddard, you know, like this wasn't the case in this game, but let's say there's a game where, you know, Hertz is a little bit off and you're not moving the ball just to have that in your pocket hey we can throw a little screen to goddard and we've got kelsey out there and say amalu and and they're taking care of defenders and goddard's breaking tackle and that's a 23 yard touchdown because goddard is really good with the ball in his hands the slant to aj brown again it's you don't need to overthink it give him the hand motion you're running double slants or whatever on the right side Devonte smith clears out the safety it's one-on-one he gets the guy on his back and powers through like these are solutions they have at their disposal where Let's see when they face, you know, there'll be better defenses they face, but uh, against most defenses, I would say those are going to be available to them. So that was, uh, that, that really stood out and was good to see. Let's see, what else do I have here in my notes about what stood out with the offense? Uh, any thoughts on the second half execution? I, I have some notes if you didn't uh, zero in on that or, or have anything to say, but did anything stand out there to you? No, I think that just the offensive line didn't dominate the whole game, the way that we were accustomed to seeing them do against Detroit and against Minnesota. Washington's got a really good front. The offensive line's fine. I'm not like worried about Dickerson didn't have a great game. My lot, I had one of the worst games of his, of his past couple of years, but I'm not worried about that. It's just facing some good players. So that just made it tough, I think, to, to, to run the football late. And then, yeah, I think we talked about this a little bit with Minnesota. 
they're so explosive that it kind of hides that they are still a little bit like sloppy. Like it wasn't like like penalties so much in the Minnesota game as it was execution in the Washington game. But it's also week three. Like I don't know. I, I you go through the film of, of any game right now and you see just kind of like stupid stuff and like misplaced routes and stuff. I don't know. Like teams don't play as much in the preseason as they used to. I, I the execution stuff is is like worrisome, but it's like a two on a ten. You know what I'm saying? I'm it's 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 picking nits on a three and zero team. Yeah, I didn't come away thinking, man, the wow, Washington made great adjustments and the Eagles didn't mm-hmm. respond and they got figured out in the second half. I mean, it was so Peta is in there. He got smoked on a couple plays. The one was the stunt uh, with Mylotta. Hurts couldn't connect with Devontae and Brown on, on those deep balls where it's just what you said. You know, you get them in the first half. You might not get them in the second half. Those are going to be high-variance plays, but they were very similar situations. They had a Kenneth Gainwell run on third and three near midfield where I don't know if you handle those snaps differently. Probably if it's a high-leverage situation, you're probably even going for it on yes. fourth and two. <laughs> um, right. So uh, a lot of those little things. I mean, I really – I know um, I was asked about this doing a radio hit earlier, and I know it's on um, – when I tweeted something out about how good they are in the first half and people responding well second half i really don't see it as a like big sample this is a concern uh type issue i mean if they came out this week and were in a tight game with the jaguars in the first half and came out in the third quarter and scored like three touchdowns that would that would not shock me i I really don't think that there is uh, a lot to it all right that was number four number five let's look ahead dougie peace coming to town Trevor Lawrence is coming to town. A feisty Jaguars defense is coming to town. Let's start with the Jaguars offense, Ben. When you just kind of look at it, what's working for them uh, offensively here? They're eighth in EPA per drive. They're sixth in success rate. Um, They've been really good. I mean, they dominated two games in a row against the Colts and the Chargers. What are you seeing? Good football team, man. Just, just, uh, I did, I did the Jaguars this week on uh, the play sheet, Ringer YouTube, subscribe. Oh, nice. And, kind of the bit is like, are the Jaguars actually good? And the answer is like, yeah, no, this is, this is exactly the building blocks of how you take a young team and you make them good. Uh, and it's also 2017, 2016 Eagles redux, right? Where it's okay. The Jaguars have a solid line. They don't have the same line. The Eagles did where it's like, all right, we can dominate, but they're good at all five positions. They communicate well set the, the rookie center Fort is playing. Awesome. We're good. So we can run the football, right? We can run the football in a variety of ways. They, they can run zone. They can run duo. They can go outside the tackles. They can pull guys. They do a ton of different stuff. And they'll change what, you're di- what they're doing based off the front. So Eagles walk out in their five down front. They're going to start running power. They're going to pull guys. They're going to try to hit a gap. Travis Etienne, one gap, go. Eagles come out in the four down front. They're going to run zone. Get a climber to the second level. Ball to James Robinson, five yards. And we'll just, we'll just, we'll just ground and pound you up the field. So they have two backs. And they have a, a, a highly variable running game where the Eagles, like the Eagles against Minnesota just sat in one front on early downs because we know how you run the football. The Jaguars are more flexible, so it's going to be difficult to do that. You're going to have to change pictures. Just to Passing interrupt game. you re- real quickly, because I thought of a funny moment on film that relates to yeah, what yeah. you said. The uh, the commanders tried to trap Fletcher Cox. I think it was in the third quarter, and he saw it coming and kind of shoved the guy to the ground, and Kaiser White made the tackle. And I don't think I've seen Fletcher Cox this pleased with himself uh, in many years. I mean, he looked at the commander's sideline, folded his arms and just started yelling at them for even trying to trap him there. So we'll see if the Jaguars try that, but sorry, you, you were cooking, but that yeah. popped in my head. So I it's all, no, it. those moments are always so good, especially <laughs> because a lot of that is, are you teed in on tendency? It is hard to be keyed in on tendency against the Jaguars, right? They're able to hide it. Washington's running game is a little bit more simple. So like, Oh, the split between the guard and the tackle is a little bit bigger than it usually is. I wonder if I'm about to get a trap block. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, the has yeah. been around for a while. 
in the passing game, the Jaguars are simpler than they are in the running game. There's not as wide a variety of things. They're going to run uh, all the Doug Peterson staples, like I've been alluding to. They're going to run snag, and they're going to run, you know, uh, drive. They're going to run mesh we brought up earlier, right? They're going to run the guy into the post corner, right? Like the Zach Ertz touchdown route that he scored 95,000 times on under Doug. Where it's like, oh, I'm running to the corner. No, it's a skinny post. They got that in the red zone. Like it's 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 so... It's such a redux. It's so it's so familiar. It's so Twilight Zoney. What they don't have that you'll remember from 2017 Eagles is the multiple tight ends. The Eagles lived in 12 personnel. One running back, two tight ends. Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz both on the field. That added an extra flavor to their running game and also changed the way they got into their passing game a little bit. They'll be more spread out because they have three starting receivers. Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Marvin Jones. They want all of them at the field, and then they'll change their tight end a little bit. Evan Ingram, Luke Farrell. Ingram's more of their pass-catching guy. When they go to their 12 personnel, Ingram can line up as a receiver. So they still have that flavor to Anywhere 17, which is very confusing. Is that throwing you off, like old man? receiver, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ingram almost came out in the draft, you remember, from Ole Miss as, as a receiver. Um, because they're a little bit lighter, a little bit more spready, right? Like also that era of Eagles was like the Alshon Jeffrey era, right? They don't really have a Jeffrey. They don't have like a big, tall skyscraper ball winner. They're a little bit more quick game and RPO oriented, which plays really nicely to Trevor Lawrence's strengths. Uh, This team is a free access team. They will take what you give them. So you walk out and we said the corner five yards off, the, the slot five yards off the ball, the corner eight yards off the ball. We're playing quarters, right? Quarters, corners are off eight yards. They will throw the speed out. And they used to do this with Torrey Smith at the beginning of every game under Doug. Oh, like you gosh. walk out of the, you remember, you, yeah, you remember it, right? Game, yeah, yeah, every single game. And Torrey yeah, Smith, great guy. Yeah, made some five yard speed out, baby. Yeah. Bang. Why? <laughs> so they'll, they'll they'll throw it and they'll they'll tag it to an RPO, right? So okay, if that if that corner starts to cheat, that nickel starts to cheat out on on this outbreaking stuff, we're gonna run the ball right right shoot. We're gonna run the ball right at you, and we're gonna ask your safeties to come down and fill. So it's a very much the same philosophy, and it's captained by a quarterback who's a really really good point guard. Extremely good pocket manager, get the ball quick, on time, great release, great accuracy, and Trevor Lawrence. And then Lawrence throwing on the move is something. Man, I mean, it's really something. He is exceptional when the pocket breaks down. Not because he's like super aggressive, like Mahomes is always like looking for like, you know, holding the ball for eight minutes, not because he's like Kyler and he can break nine tackles, but he throws beautifully crisp, gorgeous footballs in rhythm on the move. He's so good, first reaction, second reaction. This is like the Eagles have faced some good offenses. The Lions were a good offense. Washington had strengths, but all three of the quarterbacks that they faced at this point really, really crumbled under pressure. Goff, Cousins, Wentz. It's like it's like the Mount Rushmore of if you pressure this guy, he will fold. Like this is not a pressure yeah. quarterback. Lawrence is night and day to those three. So the big test for this Eagles defense against Jacksonville is all right. When we can move the guy off his spot. Are we still sticky? Are we still sound in coverage? Do we know our scramble rules, right? Scramble rules are very important for the defense. Those have not been tested for the Eagles for three weeks. When he gets out of the pocket, how do we behave? Uh, there's a chance this Jaguars team is very incremental. Right? Five-yard uh, five RPO, five-yard handoff, six-yard RPO, stick route, curl route, six-yard, six yards. And then Lawrence gets outside of the pocket, and they just start shooting on top of the Eagles. And that's where their explosives come from. That's the big thing to watch in this game. Yeah, I think what you said about how they'll take what the defense gives them has really stood out to me through three yep. games. And I know it's something Doug Peterson would, would not admit this, but I'm you know when he was coaching Carson Wentz, he, w- he would say this over and over again. And that's not a quarterback who's going to take what the defense gives them. Trevor Lawrence is doing that probably as well as any quarterback in the NFL right now. I mean, if you watch some of these drives, like you mentioned, it's just, what is it? What's the saying? Death, of, death by a million cuts? Is that it? 
Death by a million paper cuts. Yep. This is very much this offense. Yes. I mean, if you're playing zone and off, they will just take that time and time and time and time and time again. And we've seen that really consistently with them through the first three weeks of the season. They're middle of the pack in explosive plays. Like, cause I I was watching them and I'm going like, do they ever push the ball downfield? And then it's just what you said. It could either be a bootleg. They get him out of the pocket or it's just a second reaction play going to his right or his left. He can make those throws on the move. And it feels like that's where their big plays uh, have come from. Now they've missed some, you know, he he made a beautiful throw to Jamal Agnew where they got Agnew uh, matched up against the linebacker. And that went right through. Why are you laughing? Do you not like Jamal Agnew? Because it's just such a okay. You're you're complaining about Ingram wearing 17. Agnew's wearing 39 or whatever. Uh, okay. And, yeah. And and the it was they've a done throw. a lot. The, beautiful throw. Yeah. They've done a lot to get this offense better in terms of personnel. Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, like Evan Ingram, all massive improvements. But boy, the fact that their speed threat as a receiver is still Jamal Agnew is just a yeah. little bit sad. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the quick stuff is sort of the foundation. And then they layer in a lot of the things we saw in Philadelphia, the things you mentioned, the run game, the boots, the screen game, the second reaction plays. And like, that's the offense. And so now even statistically, I just feel like they've left a lot of plays on the field, even last week, like they were in the red zone a couple of times where they didn't convert. And so their numbers could even look uh, a lot better here. Lawrence, the Two things that I guess really is just what they like. He will miss some throws. I mean, there will be times where you say, okay, uh, all right, he he missed that one. The guy was wide open. It's a third down and that wasn't on target in terms of decision making. I think it's been pretty good, but like, you know, there'll be a play or two in a game where you say, all right, he got intercepted or he could have got um, intercepted there. I'm sure he just has so much confidence in his arm as he should. uh, Exactly. Right. He just attempts some of those throws that maybe you would be like, all right, probably don't do that. Yeah, it's not Wentz syndrome. Like, I don't want to say that because Wentz is, like, so far down the rabbit hole. Yeah. But there is a sensation for Lawrence, who's really, really good mechanically, really, really good velocity. Like, when he when he places the ball perfectly, it is perfect. That he does have a little bit like, oh, I wonder if I can do this to him, right? Where, like, there was the, I think it was the second goal where he tried to fit a window to a Christian Kirk on a glance route that just, like, didn't exist. And the ball, like, sailed because as he's throwing it, his body's like, no, 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 sail this. Like, we can't hit it. But it's like, dude, just don't attempt that. Like, you just hold the ball. Like, the, there's that route's never open. But he's got... As a young player, a really talented player, he's got a little bit of like, I wonder if I can. And you can take advantage of that as a defense if you're opportunistic. When that ball comes your way, catch it. Because he's only going to give you a couple. Do you think the... I feel like the Eagles should be able to match up man coverage against this team. I mean, Christian Kirk... Marvin Jones, Zay Jones are their wide receivers. Evan Ingram is their tight end. They're not bad players. There's no one there where I would say Slay, Maddox, and Bradbury can. I'm not saying you're playing man the whole game, but do you feel like that uh, matchup would favor the Eagles if it's, you know, third and five and you say, hey, let's line up in man against these three guys that you would be okay? Ask me after the game. Okay. Um, <laughs> well that's I, not really yeah. the point here ben to ask you you're like uh you're like when trey wingo yelled at me for grading the draft right after the draft it said i have to wait all right all right trey i'll get back to you in three years with my analysis of how these you, teams did i'll email you 
You and Trey Wingo have a thing? You, you, did no, you I'm and just Trey Wingo that. go at I mean, each other? Listen, that, no, I mean, I, don't, I didn't go after. I didn't respond, but I mean, you don't need, everybody stuck up. For wow, you, you bigger see, man, no, Trey Wingo? No, see, here's where you want to get. Here's this here. is such a humble I mean, brag right now. You're, you're, you're probably already here. This is a humble brag. You want to get to the point <laughs> where you have enough people just going at the person for you when someone right. tries to yeah, dunk yeah, on yeah. you where you don't have to say anything. So I felt like I was in a good spot there. And then, of course, right. you know, you can make the little comments to your friends and uh, family in the privacy of your uh, own home or text of course, messages yeah. or whatever. I love this. I love like, yeah, like some some guy, I think it was his name was Trey Wingo or something. Yeah, he was complaining about something, you know, whatever. I didn't really address it. And then you just bring it up on a pod a couple years later. Uh, <laughs> what did you ask me? I don't know. but I Oh, man that, coverage, man yeah, coverage, man yeah, coverage. Yeah. I mean, that was uh, our best segment yeah. of the show so far. Yeah, go ahead. If there is a uh, team that can attack the Eagles' weaknesses when they're in man coverage, it's the Jaguars who have field stretching, pass catching tight end, and really good slot receiver, right? Christian Kirk's run, I think it's about 80% of his routes from the slot to this point. They play high to seek whack-a-mole with him, right? Kind of the way that uh, uh, the Vikings do with Justin Jefferson, but it's a much different route trade. It's a much different menu. Like he's running all short stuff in, uh, in outbreaking stuff, right? And then he'll go vertical, but Jefferson's all these overs, all this intermediate stuff. Uh, so you're going to get Maddox on Kirk a lot. How do you handle that? Uh, Maddox is a good slot corner. Kirk's a really good slot receiver. It's a bit, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a test One for Maddox. Up. Just, just how good you're going to be. And then Ingram is going to get Chauncey. He's going to get Epps. He's going to get Edwards. Those are going to be the guys he gets in main coverage. Kaiser as well. Uh, a lot of guys that we've talked about and circled as like, what exactly are you for this team? Uh, they don't use Ingram vertically too much. They tend to use him a lot in the quick game. If there's a game where they're going to, I think, unlock his vertical aspect, because the Giants used to use him a lot on vertical stuff, it'll be this game. Because uh, you can take advantage of those Eagles bailing those safeties out. Right When those safeties are spinning, they're moving at the snaps. The seams are open because the safeties can't stop their momentum and get down onto the seam. Uh, and so I think they can play man coverage, but it is pressure point game in terms of some of the players we've talked about. Slay and Bradbury aren't going to get tested. It's the interior guys that will. Okay. Let's move on to the defense. Question number six, what's working so well for the Jaguars defensively? They are fourth in EPA per drive. They are yes, seventh in sir. success rate. They are second in pass rush win rate. A uh, lot of things working for them. What have you seen? Uh, this is this is the game right here, man. This is this. When, oh, man. When we talked about Jalen Hurts all through the season, it was the way that they ended the season against Tampa. It was the way they played in the wild card round. Todd Bowles defense that just said, all right, you guys like to run the football? Here's 95 dudes in the box. We're going to have a guy in every single gap. We got big linebackers, big safeties in the box. And then we're going to play one-on-one and we're going to play outside leverage and we're going to leave the middle of the field wide open. Beat us. And the Eagles just did not have an answer, right? It was a really tough game for Hurts in terms of taking advantage of one-on-one coverage. Anytime they tried, they, they played those corners off too. So off with vision, like seven yards off looking at the receivers. And anytime they tried to get to that RPO game, right? The little, oh, tight end of the flat RPO. Oh, little bubble screen. Just Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean just flying downfield. Yeah. Hit, 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 hit. We are not going to let you get free access stuff on us. Hertz started to get really uncomfortable in the pocket too, because the, the Bucks brought all these exotic pressures and they'll, they'll rush from different angles and loop and stunts and twists. And what that does to a scramble prone quarterback, the Eagles are like third right now in the league in scramble rate. What that does to a scramble prone quarterback like Hertz is when you, when you rush, not just four guys coming straight forward, but guys looping and twisting and stunting one side of the pocket starts to feel really hot. And the other side feels like it has nobody there. And you as a scrambler, you just start to go, I have room and you leave. And you're out, right? Balls down. I'm not in a throwing position. I got to move in this pocket. It's not a clean pocket. I have space. Let me go take it. That's bait. That's trick. That's a trap. Yeah. They 
are doing that, number one, to move you into a looper. You move to that empty space, and all of a sudden, here's Joe Tryon Shayinka. Here's Shaquille Barrett looping across. Devin White looping across the formation, free rusher, number one. Number two, when you're moving, you're not throwing, right? If you're resetting the pocket and constantly, like, breaking the pocket and cutting the field in half, I'm moving to my left. Now I can't throw to the right. You're making it easier on their coverage. You're not throwing in rhythm. Hurts has been a lot better at this this year, but that's the big test for this game because the Jaguars defensive coordinator is a guy named Mike Caldwell. You know where he was last year? Tampa. Coaching linebackers for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which just simply sat on this Eagles offense for four quarters. And the Eagles offense looks a little bit different. I wrote about that, that game afterward for the ringer, and in it I wrote that, like, this offense couldn't have really been anything else against the Bucs. Like, this is what they've been all season. What yeah. they need is, is a star receiver. Like, the only way they could solve this is if they had a star guy. AJ, right? So, okay, if you're going to play, because the Jaguars look just like Tampa does, we're going to put a lot of dudes on the front, right? Penetration guys, Roy Robertson-Harris, Arden Key, Trayvon Walker, Josh Allen. These guys can rush. They're disrupted. They can push the pocket. They can win a one-on-one and muddy this and make you feel like you have to leave the pocket. And then we're going to be able to play man, and we're going to be able to combo coverages behind it. Rotate guys, spin guys. We're going to change the picture on you. It's the same philosophy. They, they, can, they can copy-paste last year's Google Doc and put it in. This is the Jalen Hurts game plan. No problem. But that will ask Tyson Campbell, Shaquille Griffin, Darius Williams, Trey Herndon, whatever amalgamation of guys they have healthy for this game, right. to play one-on-one over A.J. Brown. And that's where you say, okay, Jalen, you have to stay in this pocket and just throw A.J. You, you, you have one-on-one winners right now. You need to be able to if, – if, if they walk out with the Tampa game plan, it has to be low time to throw, ball out to the receiver, accurate ball, let them do the work for you. And we saw that in Minnesota. That can work. This is a different cat. This is a really, really aggressive and talented defense at all three levels. And they got tons of team speed too. So if Jalen wants to be like big scramble game, 10 plus, 12 plus scrambles, Devin Lloyd and Foyesadio Lubicon will chase you down. They will get to you and you'll break your tackles, but they'll get theirs. This is an enormous test for Hertz, for the AJ Brown edition, for the way the offense has changed. It's so exciting. Yeah, it's a good measuring stick to see how different are they from that playoff game like it's not you know it's not the exact same thing they're not as talented probably as that uh as that bucks team and it's only week four here but i agree with you i think just in term, terms of uh, how the jaguars will attack them it's exactly what you said they're going to be aggressive they're going to look at that playoff game i mean they've done a lot of things already they're middle of the pack and man they're middle of the pack and zone they're not one of these defenses that says all right we kind of have these strong tendencies that we're going to play with week in and week out at least through three weeks of the season they can do a lot of different things just like those bucks teams i mean those bucks teams were the same way they could play one way one week and a different way the next week so i think that's right and then the matchup up front i mean those those defensive linemen you mentioned Trayvon Walker, Dwayne Smoot, uh, Roy Robertson Harris, uh, Josh Allen. Josh Allen playing yeah. outside of his God given yeah. mind, baby. And, and their stunts and loops. And I mean, they've been doing that already. That's not going to be new this week. They've got that all over their film through the first three weeks of the season where they're just freeing guys up with their games up front. So your offensive line has to be on point. Jalen Hurts needs to know when it's actual pressure, when it's not pressure. And like you mentioned, when to take those shots. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Shaq Griffin did not play last week. We'll see if he plays this week. He's there. Typically one of their starting cornerbacks, Darius Williams, uh, was a big free agent signing for him. He gets his hands on a lot of footballs. It was with the Rams previously. Tyson Campbell was a size speed guy who they drafted, who's starting at another cornerback spot for him. You mentioned uh, linebacker. 
Devin Lloyd uh, obviously yep. is a, you know, uh, I think the measurables, the comparison was Fred Warner, even if no one thought he was going to be the player Fred Warner was. That's kind of what he looks like, a long, uh, long, fast linebacker. Foye Aluakon was a wild free agent signing, good player. They gave him, I think, $15 million a year or something. 45 over three, baby. 45 Big money, Foye Aluakon. Well, all those free agent signings, you know what? They might not look good when we're looking at next offseason or next year or whatever, but for this year, if you're Doug Peterson, you're saying thank you. You got me some players uh, I can play with this season. So, all right, that's the Jaguars defensively. All right, question number seven. Kind of covered this already, so we don't need to go too deep into it. What does an Eagles loss look like? Because the Eagles are six and a half point favorites, Ben, which surprised me higher than I thought it was going yes. to be. The betting markets, uh, you know, are all in on this Eagles team. So, you know, it's a Philadelphia sports podcast. We got to talk about what does a loss look like? How does it happen? If it were yeah. to Line opened at seven, moved to six and a half, so moved off key number. And sharp money has been on the Eagles all three weeks. Every single week of the season so far, the Eagles have gotten hit by sharp money at some point during the week. So books are very much so like, all right, you want to bet the Eagles? Bet them. You know what I'm saying? And I think that that six and a half is too much. This off of like, I thought, you know, Minnesota would beat them and they didn't. I thought that Washington could score on them and they didn't. So like, I'm also still updating my priors on where the Eagles are at. But I think Washington can keep this, or excuse me, I think Jacksonville can keep it close. The loss looks like a turnover-heavy game. Coverage rotation, pressure stuff. We haven't really seen sacks for Hurts. We haven't really seen fumbles and interceptions. The Eagles have never really given the defense a, a, an explosive play. I think you're gonna, you would see a turnover-heavy game from a defense that's really good at creating chaos. Or so special teams, by the way, which has been sloppy. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Right. The Britain Covey experience. So you see a turnover-heavy game offensively, and then defensively, you see a... Uh, 2021, oh no, Gannon's back Redux yeah. game, where it's just like Lawrence completes 75% of his passes. He's averaging like 6.5 yards a pop. The Eagles are running, uh, the Jaguars are running the ball successfully on a light box Eagles defense. And the scoring drives don't happen fast. They don't happen big. And it's not like, you know, 52 points to the Chiefs. But all of a sudden, the Jaguars are sitting there with 24, 27 points. And the offense is struggling to, 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 to keep up with that. So I think a loss is a close game, and I think that you can point to two or three plays and go, wow, like the Jaguars converted on this four and three, and the Eagles had this fumble on second and 10 in Jaguars territory, flip those two plays, the Eagles win. And like that feels good, but that's what it is, good team versus a good team. And that's why like when we talked about this Eagles team post-Washington show, I was like, I want to see what they look like when their nose gets bloody. I want to see what they look like when they really go toe-to-toe with a good team. I think they're going to have that in Jacksonville. And if they aren't super ready for that, you'll see – some sloppy mistakes, you'll see some miscues, and that'll decide the game. Yeah, my, mine is very similar. Defense sits back, says, all right, let's make them uh, methodically move the football down the field, and Trevor Lawrence has shown he's willing to do that. Doug Peterson has been preaching that to him. Obviously, it's apparent on film, and so that would be a way to have a unsuccessful defensive game plan he takes the layups and then he makes some second reaction plays they run the football a little bit and all of a sudden they're moving the ball up and down the field against you how about this doug empties out the bag a little bit i mean does he have a philly special or does he have something i think he's got something cooking for this game i think we'll see some kind of trick play in a high leverage spot 
for Doug Peterson in this game. I don't know what it is, but you know, I, I think he probably looks at it and says, man, I won a Super Bowl. I got up to the playoffs the next two years, one bad season. And guess who was taking the blame for everything? That was me. They wouldn't let me hire the coaches I, uh, I wanted to. You know, they, they were placing the blame on me. Now they got, I was doing, look at the receivers I was doing it with. Now they've got Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. Hey, Howie, where was that when I was calling the plays for you? I could call a lot better plays with those guys than, uh, than I could with the guys I had. So I right. think this game will mean something to Doug Peterson. By all accounts, Very he's, happy. Much so. he's happy to be in Jacksonville. He landed in a great spot, no doubt about it. But I think he'll empty out the bag a little bit here uh, offensively. And then on the other side of the ball, you laid out the game plan. I mean, if their defensive line creates some havoc, if they're aggressive, if they create a couple turnovers, then that could certainly swing the game in their favor. All right, question number eight. It looks like, oh, another one of Cliff's friends is chiming in with a phone call and a question. This might be a weekly tradition. All right, let's get to the call. Hello, please leave a message after the tone. Yeah, how you doing? To County Downey, first time caller on a pod. Been an Eagles season ticket holder ever since I was like five years old when my uncle $2 Billy from Northeast Philly gets locked up at the vet and they're forcing him to give up a season ticket. Anyway, Donnie Delco's calling in last week and he's talking about the defense. I'm not too concerned. I'm sitting there on my lazy boy, you know, watching Fletcher Cox down there at FedEx Field look more ravenous than a flash mob in Wawa at 3 a.m. And TJ Edwards, man, is that dude all over the place. He's looking more chaotic than Franklin, excuse me, Philadelphia Mills the weekend after Thanksgiving. Anyway, boys, I know people are asking about Jalen Hurts, and we could probably talk about Jalen Hurts' improvement all week. But now that ESPN some of these national guys are talking, telling me that we're the best team in the NFL – we probably suck more in the drive in North Wawa on the 4th of July. Who are some of these trade targets you think that we can look at during the season? And uh, what are some of the positions in need? I don't know. I've heard running back, DB, DL being tossed around. But what do you think? Well, thanks for taking my call, boys. And uh, you already know. Go, Birds. All right. Thank you. Uh, thank you for the call. I didn't catch the gentleman's name there, Ben. Did you catch, I, catch his name? No, like, he was yeah. just went straight to the, me- yeah. the similes, he just went, immediate metaphors. Okay. Uh, all right. So Jimmy Kemsky did the heavy lifting on this, uh, on this question, unless you have someone else. He had an article on the Philly Voice today looking at some potential trade targets. So oh, uh, I think that boy Jimmy. Yeah, so I thought I would just uh, mention some of the names he mentioned, and we could, uh, we could talk about them real quickly here. Uh, he mentioned Rashad Penny of the Seahawks, Robert Quinn, the defensive end from the Chicago Bears, and Danico Autry, the versatile uh, defensive lineman on the Tennessee Titans. Uh, You know, my take on this, and then we can talk about those specific players real quick. I feel like running back is a position I I could see, like sort of the Jay Ajayi uh, in-season trade where you feel like, wow, this team really has a chance. Let's get another running back in here uh, with some juice, and and it's not going to cost us a lot. I could see that. Or I could see maybe a... Young defensive back who's not necessarily like a great player, but gives you some depth either at corner or at safety where you're just kind of raising that floor where, man, if if Darius Slay or James Bradbury goes down, we don't have to play Zach McPherson. We've got player X who's been practicing with us now for a few weeks and we can plug him in there. And really the same thing at safety. I mean, it sounds sort of wild to say, but if Epps or Chauncey Gardner-Johnson goes down, you're in a bit of a pickle there too. So those are the positions I kind of thought about. Yeah, so Howie typically always makes a trade, right? Like, it's very rare to see a deadline trade without Howie active. Running back is the spot that stands out to me. Sanders didn't have his best game in, in week three. And then they very clearly, like, it's not like, oh, he's our vet, we trust him. So they use, like, Kenny and Boston on third down and goal line stuff a lot. Yeah. Uh, 
Cleveland is the team to look at there. You have Nick Chubb and then Kareem Hunt and then Dearness Johnson and then they drafted Jerome Ford, who looks great, Ooh. like returns kicks for them. I would so like they a, how about a Dearness Johnson? Yeah, Dearness is the guy to me that I think player, is most most available to get. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and wouldn't cost a lot. So I think Dearness is the guy you think of. Uh, the Cardinals have a little bit of depth too. They have Daryl Williams there and they don't really use him. So he's a guy that I think is movable also. Uh, and then, yeah, I agree. Like secondary wise, I think you're trying to find, yeah, journeyman guys who can provide better depth. The first dude that comes to mind is legitimately Sidney Jones in Seattle, which would just wow, be an unbelievable redux. that would be. Um, but when Sidney's Sydney's <laughs> been healthy for a couple of years and has, since he's been healthy, he started to play a little bit better. And he just isn't playing for them right now because they're starting their rookies and they're trying to get those young guys off the board. Um and then, yeah, pass rusher, I think, is also up there, right? Where you have the Derek Barnett injuries. You are thinner than you expected to be. You are playing Patrick Johnson right now. Nobody jumps to mind. It's a, like I, Robert Quinn is kind of too 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 hefty. You know what I'm saying? You're that, not that, a rotation guy. That's the guy. thing. They don't have yeah. a need. Like, I almost feel like they would need one more injury to really, you know, make a big move on, like, I don't know, is, is Patrick Johnson really killing them, playing however many snaps he's playing, you know, no. and, and, and if you're in a big game, he doesn't have to play all those snaps. You can play your starters a little bit more. Brandon Graham looked great last week. Josh Sweat's playing uh, really well. Hassan Reddick came on a little bit. So, yeah, I almost feel like they're one more injury away from making a move up front. All right. Yeah, I, I agree. Okay. All right. Uh, question number nine. You know, we like to get into like at least one personal thing uh, each show. Can you explain the late night cheese thing to me? I mean, anyone who follows you on Twitter would know about just This has really been a big part of your brand. I'm seeing Nate Tice tweeting out, what was it? The, some cheese the scheme. Cheese and he's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cheese raid. He's calling it the Ben. Uh, ben. So like what, what is going on with the, the cheese? It's just late night. You get hungry and you go down and, and yeah, you slice up some cheese. I don't, I never expected this to take over my life the way that it has, man. I, it was like draft season. I was up super late, just like watching film and whatever. And I was remarking, I was, at the time I was trying to eat healthier and I was remarking to myself how like my brain is really good at convincing myself to eat healthy when the sun is up. But at like 1am, it feels like nothing counts. And so I just would go to the fridge and I'd be like, what do I want to eat? And my body was just like, cheese, salts, fats, here we go. And so you're just like, you know, you're just like, and like, also I was just pretty shortly out of college when like cheese was one of three things that was in your fridge. And so I was like, all right, I'm gonna eat this cheese. And I tweeted about it. And this resonated with a lot of people. This matters. <laughs> this matters to way more people than I was ready for. To the point that now, like anytime I'm up late, I'm like, oh, I just tweet a picture of some cheese, get 250 likes. This feels pretty good. Yeah, some, I get to eat the cheese and I get the dopamine. It's pretty, pretty nifty. And people start asking me what sort of cheese is good cheese. Yeah, I wanted and to know that too. And that's the thing is people don't realize I'm not an Epicurean, you know, I'm not, not, not no connoisseur here. The best cheese is the cheese in the fridge, man. All the cheese is okay. good cheese. Like people are all the time like, what are the best cheeses? The but you did have that, like a Trader Joe's power. I like it. You're like the common man's cheese connoisseur. Like yep. we're not going to the fancy. Like That's what, that's exactly. To, all right. So I, if I, when I go to Trader Joe's, now are you eating the cheese by itself or is, is there a cracker involved? What's going on? Sometimes there's a cracker involved. Sometimes, sometimes there's bread involved. Just, sometimes you just cut it up. Sheila, I ate I ate three slices of cheddar before this pod. I finished wow. a recording at I finished a recording at one forty five. Went to the kitchen, made myself a mug of tea, and ate cheese while it was being made. And then I left. I will eat cheese at any time with okay. no accompaniment. And it sounds like I am aware. Yeah. I'm aware of what is occurring, cholesterol and blood pressure wise, and I'm willing to take that on the chin for at least a few more years. Um, 
The best cheese at Trader Joe's is the San Andre cheese, which is an 80% fat content cheese. It's basically okay. like eating butter. Okay. Uh, it's the absolute bomb. The goat's milk Gouda is also very good. Mm-hmm. Unexpected cheddar, obviously great. Um, I was trying to think of an, like what, what's what's one that's uh, underrated that I've recently liked. Their brie's pretty good. Well, listen, usually, not, not to get too... Sorry, go ahead. Finish the finish. No, that no, 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 no. Go ahead. Not to get too, you know, graphic or personal, but as you get older, like gut health, you know, are you feeling, no, I mean, I don't want to just straight up say, are your bowels okay here and take this in another uh, direction? Now you're really going to be uncomfortable. But I mean, listen, at my age, if you're, if you're down in that type of cheese late at night, you might have some issues the next day. So you are you okay in that department? I, I'm at the point where I can't eat a frozen pizza and be good because I have eaten okay. an entire frozen pizza in a sitting multiple times oh, and that, that'll mess me up. Okay. Cheese, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm good at, the body but that's the thing too. is, right, I'm, I'm 25. I eat a lot of red meat and a lot of cheese because those are the two best things in the entire world. I am aware that very soon in my life, that yeah. will no longer become an option for me. That's why I'm doing it now. Okay. I, like, people all the time are like, oh, aren't you worried? Yes, I am. So I got to hit my burger cheese steak quotient for my lifetime before we start to hit the threes. So I'm, I'm, I'm putting in the hours, baby. This is, this is forward thinking. Um, but yes, anytime, if you're ever scrolling Twitter aimlessly at one o'clock in the morning, go ahead and check my timeline. There's a good chance I tweeted out a picture of cheese. Listen, and then like it for me. It's good for your brand. Uh, I'm going to get one of those cheeses you recommended, uh, in the next couple of weeks. From Trader Joe's, try it out, and we'll give my own uh, personal review because the capadias growing up. I mean, we would have the Kraft singles and the like, the worst type of cheese yeah. you could have. That's what we ate. Now, uh, now that I have my own family, we upgrade a little bit. You know, we'll buy the packs with it's just like eight to ten slices of cheese. It's better. But when you're getting into that fancy, and I gotta unwrap it and cut it, like I I need to be going to like a wedding to eat that type of cheese. We don't eat that type of cheese uh, at the capadia household. But hey, it's not yeah. too late to start. Listen, cheese isn't that. Bad. Bad. She's not that bad for you. It's got protein. I agree. The worst part, stuff. the worst part about this is that we got when we got married, I got about five charcuterie boards from people. Man, I have more <laughs> charcuterie boards than I know what to do with. No, it's not. One nice charcuterie <laughs> board is good. Three of them just live on top of their fridge because people are like, "Well, I know what this guy does." And then they got me like nice having company cheese with crackers and fruit and meats thing. That's not what I do. <laughs> I buy myself. Yeah. By the light of my phone flashlight in the dark at 1 a.m., I'm eating cheese like a little <laughs> raccoon. I don't need a charcuterie board for that nonsense. <laughs> I like that. The common man's cheese connoisseur. Okay. All right. I guess we should close out with the game prediction. As I mentioned, Eagles are six and a half point favorites. The over-under is 47.5. Benny Souls, do the Eagles remain undefeated after week four? What do you got? No. I think wow. Jacksonville beats them. Okay. I think I, I think it's a very close game. I'll be like, you know, if it's 27-24, Eagles win, awesome, fine, great. But I, I, I would be surprised if Jacksonville is unable to cover the spread. And I think that Jacksonville's got a good shot to beat them. I think that it'll be a good loss for the Eagles. I think it'll be, you know, like we're not undefeated, we're not carrying that anymore. It'll put some actual pressure on some of those areas where they need to improve that haven't really been tested by Minnesota and by Washington. Um, but I think you're going to get like a – 23 to 19, 24 to 21 sort of a game that Jacksonville is able to win. Okay. I think we're both 
two and one overall and one and two against the spread with the Eagles. Cause I think we both got last week. Yeah, we both yeah. had him covering. So uh, just to give some background here, uh, I struggled with this game. I, I wasn't sure. I think the Eagles are a very good team. I think there's a chance they just roll through some of these opponents and we're sitting here in week six or seven going, Oh my gosh, like they haven't played a really close game yet. At the same time, I do believe that this Jaguars team is good. I believe the hype. I believe what I've seen over the past three weeks. We know their game management's going to be good. That's something we didn't talk about with Doug. I mean, they've already got the identity. Like, he's not like Brandon Staley. You know, Brandon Staley needed to put all the videos out last year explaining his decision. You should see Doug. I mean, their their team is just like the Eagles when he was here. They know fourth and one. They look to the sideline. All right, what's the play call? We're not even thinking about yep. getting off the field. So uh, he's always been very good at that. He continues to be very good at that. I think it's going to be a close game. I picked the Eagles 24 Jaguars 23. I think it's going to be back and forth. Ooh. I think there's going to be some turnovers, some little slop. fourth quarter game winning drive from Jalen Hurts. Maybe. Does he have a game winning drive yet under his under his belt? That's a good question. I don't know. Uh, I don't know the answer to that. But yeah, I think it's going to be a fun game. I think there are going to be times it looks ugly on offense, but uh, I think in the end they will move the football enough uh, and the defense will be good enough to get them the victory. So 24. 23 Eagles. It wouldn't surprise me if it was a little more low scoring than that, by the way, like, like you said, that was my original inclination. All right. We will be back Sunday night to talk all about it. It's going to be a fun one. Get ready. Like Ben said, one of the best games on the docket for week four. We appreciate everyone listening, uh, rating, reviewing. I saw there was one review that I think called us bald Batman and baby Batman. So I don't know if we like that. Uh, I didn't get Robin. This is enormous. This is the biggest win of my week. Uh, we like that or don't like that. I think there were a, a couple other ones on there. So listen, if you leave some good nicknames or thoughts about the show on the review page, I'll, I'll read some of those out maybe here in a future episode. All right. We will talk to you Sunday on the Ringers Philly special. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like Ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. 
Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. 